Good morning. Welcome home to Cassidy Church. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being able to be the lead pastor here at Cassidy uh, and, and just enjoying what the church is doing. Uh, if you're a visitor here, you are welcome here. We ex- are excited that you are here with us, and we're excited because of all the things that we get to share with you that we're doing and uh, all, the, all the things that God is doing through us. Hopefully, in this place, you will find a group of folks who recognize we're not perfect, but know the one who is, and strive to grow in that relationship, and we'd like to meet you where you are and help you take your next steps on your spiritual journey. Uh, if you are brand new here, um, I, like I said, I, I'm excited you're here. I'll be right outside the doors uh, after the service. You can come by, and we can do a fist bump or an elbow thing or a shake it, whatever you want to do, um, so that I can help you to feel welcome, and I'd love to hear a little bit about what brings you here. Um, moving right along, uh, if you are joining us online or you are joining us via the podcast, we welcome you as well. Uh, I'm excited because we are continuing our sermon series, Long Story Short, which is a look at the entirety of the Bible story, the, the biblical narrative, as my seminary professors would say, uh, the, the story of God's redeeming love. And so what we want to do is look at three specific things throughout this time together. The first thing we want to do is, is to see a little bit more about God, to learn a little bit more about God. The second thing is to learn a little bit more about God's redemptive story. And the third one, which is drastically, vitally important, is to be able to see ourselves in God's story, to find where we are in that story and how God is calling us to come to life in the middle of that story. And so in order to do that, we're going to continue our, our story. And we left off with everybody uh, coming to the Israelites have been freed from Egypt and they have come to, to the, uh, the, the mountain, Mount Sinai, and God descended to the mountain. And then they built all of the stuff so that they could be the children of Israel, the children of God, so that they could have God living in their midst. And so God moves into the tabernacle and is dwelling in the middle of them. And, and that's kind of where we're going to pick up. But before we get there, I wanted to, I wanted to it's not really a confession, uh, but I wanted to share something with you because it's pers- per- pertinent. Uh, I, I'm going to say that five times really quick. Um, apparently, I can't do that this morning. But I, I hate taking tests. I don't know about you. Maybe you're not one of these people, but like tests make me uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable. Like I start to sweat and I get, I get very nervous and I'm convinced that every test I take, I'm going to fail. Uh, and here's why is because when I was in high school and in middle school, I would attend class and pay no attention and I would not study for the test. But then for some reason, I expected to do good on the test. Yeah, chuckle, because when you get a 13 back, you're not excited about telling your parents about it. And yes, now you know your parent has, or your parent, your pastor has made a, a 13 more than once. Uh, uh, so there you go. Hey, we're, we're, we're all growing in God's grace. So uh, I, I should, probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, that is what it is. So I, I, I didn't do well. And, and so every time I take a test now, even even though I'm older, I recognize it. When I did IT for a living, when I was going through my certifications for Microsoft and for Novell and for all of these big companies, I was, I was concerned because I knew I was going to fail. When I went to seminary, which was just a couple of years ago when I finished, so just so you know, uh, I had a class. It was uh, modern theology. If you're ever like, man, I'm having trouble sleeping. Uh, <laughs> 
Pick up a modern theology book and read through that sucker. Uh, it, won't, it won't be long and you'll be right out. Um, because like they have paragraph, one paragraph, but it's a sentence, but it's a whole paragraph. I'm like, guys, use some, anyway. Uh, so the, the, uh, the class was going on and I was super concerned that I was going to have, because there was a test in it. Now, normally there are essay questions and I'm like, okay, so now I can explain what I think. I don't have a problem with that. But the, the multiple choice test just drives me crazy. And so we went to, uh, to Applebee's because they have half-price appetizers. This isn't a commercial for Applebee's. But it's, it, I, when I get stressed out, I, I eat. Um, maybe you can tell. Uh, but that's, that, so we were there, and, and my friends are like, God, you got this. Why are you so worried about it? And I was like, because I don't feel like I got this. I feel like I'm going to fail. And, and that's, that's that pervading sense. I, I just feel like I'm, and I don't like to fail. I don't like to fail at all. Um, and that's just kind of part of how I'm hardwired. I like to achieve and I like to be successful uh, at the things that, that I'm doing. And so I was, I was overly concerned. I, I ended up getting an A on the test, but it didn't stop the way that I felt that whole time, that I was anxious and I had a high level of concern that I was going to fail. And, and I think that um, regardless of how you feel about taking regular tests of, of school tests, things like that, my guess is that when God tests you, you're always concerned about that, that, that there will be a problem, that you will, uh, that you will have, the, uh, that you will fail, and, and that you will let God down. And, and that's, that's exactly the reason that I'm talking about tests, is not because of, of my, my desire to do that, but because I believe that God does and, and continues to test us. And one of the major questions that I get when people are talking about this is, you know, wh why is God testing me, or how come God continues to test me? And what I wanted to do is two things. First, temptation is not a test from God. God doesn't tempt us to do bad things, right? That's not God. Uh, test is to demonstrate that we have enough faith to get through something or that we carry through. And here's, so, so here's what I tell people about God's test. God's tests are not so God can learn something new about you, but because God wants you to learn something new about yourself. God wants to reveal something to you about the nature of where you are in your faith. And here's, here's what I mean. Sometimes you fail the test and you are like, I will never let you down like that again, God. I've done that before. I, I, I recognize that that was a test and I failed it miserably and I will never let you down again. Or you get on the other side and you're like, wow, I did not realize that my faith was strong enough to carry me through that. Thank you, God, for showing me that. And, and so that's what I mean when I'm talking about being tested by God. And, and my guess is that, uh, that you can see this. I'm, I'm not my guess. We can see this happening in the Bible, but my guess is that you've also experienced something like this in your life, that you've experienced it firsthand. And we, we can learn things from this. We learn, uh, we can trust God more. We learn to rely upon God to a deeper extent. We learn that even in the darkest situations, God is present with us, and we can learn that God will carry us through. There are so many things we can learn from testing. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, and it doesn't mean it's going to be fun, but it means that we will be better on the other side, or we will know more about ourselves on the other side. And the reason that we're talking about this is because I think that in the lives of the Israelites, there is a lot of testing that goes on, specifically in the stories that we're going to talk about today. Uh, because God wants to reveal to the people of Israel 
something about themselves. And so we're going to start uh, by, in that gathering that they have, uh, God calls together uh, Moses and says, hey, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send some guys into the promised land to spy it out. Now, I want you all to be sure of this. God is not like, well, I really wonder what it's like over there, right? God knows exactly what it's like, but he's sending them as a test to reveal to them something pertinent about themselves. And here's what it says in Numbers, and I'll be totally honest, uh, nobody ever preaches from Numbers, so it's great to be able to say from Numbers 3, 1 through 13, 1 through 3. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. For each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And, and so, at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. Now, God is, is getting together Moses and says, hey, we want to do this. And Moses gets the people together. Just in case you're not familiar with why there's 12 people, just want to throw that out there. Uh, Jacob had 12 sons. And those 12 sons ended up in Egypt, and those 12 sons became the, the parents of this, this lineage. And so we have 12 tribes, whether it's Benjamin or whatever, that, that's where they trace their lineage back to. That's how the 12 tribes came to be. And that's what, he's, what God is doing, is one leader from each of those tribes send them to spy out the land. And they go into the land, and, and they find that it is truly flowing with milk and honey. They find some of the fruit and they cut it and they, they come back. And this is the report they give to Moses. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, but the people who live there are very powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And I don't know if you're catching on, but they're concerned with this. Actually, the Bible goes on. I love exaggeration and stories, and so this is a great one. They say, the people are like giants, and we will be like grasshoppers before them. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody that's that big. I mean, even Shaquille O'Neal isn't that big, and he's a big dude. So I, I, don't, I really don't think that they're, they're that big, but what they're saying is we can't do this. There's no way. They have fortified cities, not remembering what God has already brought them out of. And what God is revealing to them is that their faith that God will be the one that delivers them is not there. They believe they are going to have to do it on their own, and they see these things and realize that they can't do it on their own. Maybe some of you are here today and you're looking at something that, that, that you're troubled with, that you think, hey, I can't do that on my own. I can't make it through that. I know God is calling me to do that, but I can't do that. It's not possible for me. I want you to take heart in this conversation, in this story, because God is able to do all things for those who love him. And so what happens is they come back and 10 of the spies say, no way. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, say, no, God's got this. We got it. No problem. Uh, they are outvoted, um, not voted off the island, fortunately, but outvoted. And they are then, uh, then God says, okay, we're going to take a period of refinement. Now, this was, God, God always knew this was going to happen. This is not brand new news to God. God wasn't like, oh my gosh, they didn't pass the test. God knew what was going to happen. And so God sends them into a period of refinement in the wilderness, now, I, I can guarantee you, nobody enjoys time in the wilderness. 
If you've ever experienced being in the wilderness in life, what I mean by that is where things are not going your way, things are difficult, and you are being refined and tested and tried, and everything seems like it's going against you. If you've ever been there, you know it's no fun. And that's exactly what the people are going through. But what God is doing in this period is refining them, teaching them how to be his people, teaching them that they can rely on him even when things are going horribly wrong, and they can rely on him when the brokenness in themselves overwhelms them and they are unsuccessful in following God. He's teaching them that God, that he will still be there and he will encourage them and help them to walk in that way. And that's exactly the story that we're going to be looking at today is, is after that 40 years, Moses dies and God instills Joshua. And Joshua is one of the two, two uh, spies that went into the land that said, no, we can do this. Now Joshua is being instilled as, in command over Israel. And God knows at the end of this, okay, now it's the time. Now I can send them back into the land and they are ready and they are prepared to follow me. And, and, and I, I just love the, the, the story that, uh, of, of Joshua's uh, account of how this happened, uh, how he became in charge of the, the children of Israel, because God installs him and says that, uh, well, uh, it comes from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. We, during this process, we've been standing up to read through uh, all of the scriptures, so I'd like to encourage you, if you're able, please rise for the reading of God's word. It says this, after the death of this Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Friends, Joshua is being instilled so that he can take the children of Israel into the land that God has promised them to fulfill the covenant that God has in, in store for them. And they are ready to go, and they're eager to go. Forty years in the desert, they've been refine, refined and refined and purified. The generation that was so hesitant to follow God has passed away, and now the new generation is ready and, and willing to follow God. And so they go into this new town, and Suzanne read the story, so I'm just going to highlight the story because I want us to get the picture because I think far too frequently we remember, uh, we remember when we first heard the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho as kids, but I want you to understand how insane this story really is. So common military practice at this point, well, at, during the time of Jesus, I'm not sure what common military practice is uh, at the time of, of Joshua, but common military practice at the time of Jesus is you would surround the city. 
You would surround the city, and you would not let anybody in or out. There's no food going in or out, and you would starve the city out. Finally, they would either open the doors, or everybody would not be there anymore, and, and you would win. Uh, and that's not what God wants them to do. God is like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to have you march around. So get seven, seven folks with uh, ram's horn trumpets. They're going to walk in the front, and then we're going to have the Ark of the Covenant, and we're going to have all the army go behind, and we're going to march around. For six days, I want you to go out, and I want you to walk around the city playing your trumpets, and then you can go back to the camp, have a little roasted marshmallows, whatever it is. Uh, go back to camp, and then on the seventh day, now get this, seventh day, oh, it's a big difference, right? Big difference. You're going to go to this fortified city of Jericho. You're going to march around it seven times. And on the seventh time, we're going to blow the shofar, which is the ram's horn, and, and everyone will shout, and the walls will fall, and the city will be given over into your hands. Th this makes no sense. You want to talk about a test? This one's a doozy, right? This is the same problem that they had before. They said, oh, the walls of the cities are thick. We can't do this. And now God is saying, not only do you not have to lift a finger, you, all you got to do is shout. That's all you have to do, and I will give you the city. This, this, takes, this takes a ton of faith. Because, you know, you're going to go out there, you're like, uh, you want me to do what? I mean, in my head, I'm like, this is insane. Okay, I'm going to walk around the city, and we're going to yell. What is going to happen? My yell, <laughs> I don't know about you, but for me, I'm like, God, you are asking something from these people that is so profound and so powerful uh, for them to take this leap of faith to follow you and do this. And they do just that. And on the seventh time around, they shout, and sure enough, the walls crumble, and the city is given over into their hands. So here's, here's what I want us to understand is that, that in our own lives, we can experience the same kind of thing where we think that we have, have been held back or we think we can't get through it. And a lot of times we start with the same thing that I'm sure the Israelites said, are you kidding me? I can't do that, God. I can't make it through. I can't carry through. I can't carry on. I can't. I can't. And God is saying, but I can and I'm right here with you. If you don't hear anything else this morning, if you, so if you're asleep, go ahead and wake up. This is, this is going to be worth the price of admission. Here it is. Uh, <laughs> our God is an awesome God. Our God is a powerful God. Our God created heaven and earth. Our God moved mountains to bring the Israelites out of captivity. Our God sent the walls of a city crumbling with the shout of an army. Our God kicked down the doors of hell and death from the inside out and came out of the tomb on the third day. Our God is strong enough to get us through anything that, God, that, that is put in our way. Amen? Our God can make it through all of those things. And it, even if it's not us, and most of the time it can't be us because we can't do it on our own. But I want to give you that word of encouragement that God is able and willing to do all of this. And we don't have to be held back by our fear and our concern because when God asks for what seems impossible, it is because God will make it possible. God will make it possible. Now, some of you are sitting out there and you're like, well, it's too much. I, I haven't done everything. I, I can't. And I want you to know that. God will make it possible. It takes faith and it takes work. It's not going to be easy and it's not going to be fun, but God will get you through. 
because God has in mind for you to have life and life to abundance. Jesus said that. Not just an okay life, but abundant life that he is offering to you. And so we can look at this story of conquest and we can, we can recognize that God has something big in mind for us. So here, here's what happens. Joshua and the rest of the army, they continue on their march and they continue throughout the promised land and they, they are successful in all of their pursuits. Now, it wasn't easy. Not everything went according to plan and the people didn't behave according to what they had promised, but they made it through and they conquered the Holy Land. And then God said, hey, Joshua, Get the people together because I want them to recognize this as a, as a special moment, that I have kept the covenant, that I have promised your ancestors that they would have this land, and now you have this land. And so Joshua gets them together, and, and it says this in Joshua 24, 14 and 15, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I, want, I don't know if you catch it. Josh is being a little, a little snippy at the end. He says, maybe you want to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land God just gave you. Uh, that, that, if my God is bigger than your God, which is kind of like that middle scar, my dad's bigger than your dad. But if my God is bigger than your God, why would I then turn and serve another? If, if this is the God of all creation, why would I turn and serve? And that's what he's asking them. Are you going to serve the idols that, you brought, that your family brought? Are you going to serve the idols that were in the land before we got here? Or are you going to serve God? And the people rallied again, and they remembered their covenant, their promise to serve God. And they remembered God's promise to them as they inherited the land that was promised centuries before, but fulfilled in their time. And so for us, the question remains, where are you in this story? I know you're here physically this morning, I get that, uh, but where are you in this story? Where are you in the difficulties that, that you have gone through? What is the obstacle that you are allowing to hold you back from faithfully pursuing what God wants for you? Will you change and, and, and accept that God is doing something powerful here? Will you recognize that God has made a way for you to have life, not just regular life, but abundant and full life so that you can experience what it is to fully fall in love with Christ? Will you recognize that God has done, is doing, and will continue to do all of those things? Will you know that, uh, that will you trust in God? Will you take that step in faith, will you serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, so that you can be more like them, so that you can be dependent on God? Because again, friends, we serve a God who will not withhold anything from us, not even his only son, his only begotten son, all you have to do is recognize that God loves you and, and recognize that you need God and he is there for you and he wants you to be in that relationship. For God so loved the world, that's each and every one of us, 
that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall have life and life eternal. That's, that's what God is offering to us. Not just an okay life, but an eternal life in the presence of God. An eternal life where we can be in community. Not, not just a little bit of Jesus added on to our already good life, but a whole new life where we can be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ himself. So let us do just that. My prayer is that, that we will do that. And so I want you to choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, and may it be for you. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do to allow us to be in a right relationship with you and and to, to conform us more and more to your image. Help sanctify us in our walk with you to grow deeper in love with you and to submit more of our lives over to you so that we can be more like Jesus each and every day. Whatever the barriers are, the mountains that are before us, the giants that are against us, God, we pray that you would be right there with us, that you would help us to see your presence and help us to know that even in the midst of brokenness, that you will see us through because you already have. And we ask this in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone agreed and said, amen.